Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrew, a book of Luke, chapter 2. The book of Luke, chapter 2. In Luke, chapter 2, and I will read verses 39 through 52. Luke chapter 2 and verse 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. And the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And his parents used to go to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became twelve, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And it came about that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? And they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men." The subject of our sermon this morning is the growth of Jesus and especially his increase in wisdom. Luke covers the early life of Jesus in this passage from the time of his infancy until he entered his public ministry. And he gives us two summary verses in this passage. The first is found in verse 40 where he tells us, and the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And he gives us here a history of the first 12 years of Jesus' life. And throughout those years, he passed through all the stages of physical, spiritual growth and development. Luke says he continued to grow and become strong increasing in wisdom. And this, of course, must refer to his human nature because it is impossible that his divine nature could ever be subject to any growth or increase. The Son of God from eternity in the glory of his attributes was infinite in all of his wisdom. But in his incarnation, the Son took a true humanity to himself so that he was made like us in all things except sin. 
and he was born into this world as every other infant is, weak and helpless and dependent, and from his infancy he had to pass through the process of intellectual, mental, and spiritual development as every other child must do, except with Jesus, he had none of the harmful influences of sin. He remained God as he had always been, but he added to his divine nature a true human nature. He was God and man in one person, two distinct natures, divine and human, yet united forever in the one person of Jesus Christ. And his two natures, divine and human, they were distinct from one another so that there was never any confusion of one into the other, never any mixture of the two, never any change of one nature into the other. The divine nature remained fully and completely a divine nature as it had always been, unchanged, undiminished by its union with the human. And the human nature was fully and completely a true human nature, body and soul, and his human nature was in no way deified by the union with the divine. A true human nature like ours in all things, yet without sin, unchanged by any influence from the divine. Fully and truly God and fully and truly man, two natures in this great mystery in one person forever. 100% God, 100% man in the person of Jesus. And in his life on earth, he laid aside his divine privileges as God so that he might live in our humanity, in our weakness, in our limitations, in our frailties as a true man in knowing so that he would know all of our experience, our human struggles, our trials, and our sorrows. And from his infancy to his death, he passed through all the stages of human development and life. He was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. And this is who Jesus is as the great mediator. And he had to be such a mediator to reconcile God and man back together. He had to be divine. He had to be God so that he would know all of the requirements of God and his holiness. And he had to be man so that he could suffer in our nature and pay the penalty for our sins and bring us back to God. Without such a savior, we could not be saved, but we have such a savior perfectly suited to all of our needs in the person of Jesus Christ. And Luke tells us here in the beginning of verse 40, the child continued to grow and become strong. His human nature, his physical, as well as his mental, intellectual growth as a child, in every way, in his body and soul, in his mind, Jesus was growing and becoming strong as any other child would. And then Luke tells us of his spiritual growth, even as a young child in those early years of his life, in the middle of verse 40, he says he was increasing in wisdom. And we'll ask several questions about this wisdom this morning. 
What is this wisdom that Luke speaks of here? Wisdom may be defined as the ability to achieve the highest possible good by the best possible means in every situation of life. Wisdom is arriving at the highest good in the best way in all of one's relationships with God and with man as well. We are speaking of wisdom in the Bible. We are speaking of wisdom in the world that God has made. We are not speaking of the wisdom, the so-called wisdom of men. We are speaking of the wisdom which comes from God. And this wisdom came to Jesus through the Old Testament scriptures. And wisdom guides one into the way that is most pleasing to God. Wisdom is to walk in his ways for our good and for the good of all around us and for his glory. Wisdom is more than knowledge. Knowledge only resides in the mind. Wisdom guides the heart and the life. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge in all of the decisions of life. And true wisdom always comes from the word of the living God. And as Jesus was born as an infant, he was born as every other infant in this world is born. He had no knowledge. He had no understanding and he had no such wisdom. He had to learn and he had to grow and he had to increase in his wisdom from the instruction of his parents in his home as they would have taught him to memorize the Old Testament scriptures as Jewish boys did so often in those days. And he would have grown in his understanding of the scriptures in the worship of the synagogue every Sabbath day as was his custom as the priests would teach from the scriptures. This was the summary of the first 12 years of Jesus' life in verse 40, the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom. And then he says, and the grace of God was upon him. The grace of God is a very broad term. The grace of God for us as sinners means his favor upon us who are so unworthy and undeserving. But with Jesus, it meant the approval the favor, the blessing of God that was upon him, the Holy Spirit continually filling the soul of Jesus with the fruit of the Spirit, a perfect child under the blessing and the grace and the favor of God. And then Luke gives us an example of his wisdom, even as a 12-year-old boy in the following verses when he went up to the feast in Jerusalem. Jesus was in the temple with the teachers of the law, and he was listening to them and he was asking them questions. And we see in verse 47 that he tells us, And all who heard him, they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. They had never heard such a young boy with such depth of wisdom. They had never heard such a young boy with such penetrating understanding of the Holy Scriptures and he was this way because he had always been increasing in wisdom from his infancy when he knew and began to learn the scriptures. 
The second summary statement that Luke gives us of the early life of Jesus is found down in verse 52. And he tells us there that Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This is another summary statement which covers his growth and development over the next 18 years from the time that he was 12 years old until the time that he was about 30 years old and he began his public ministry in his baptism, which is found in the next chapter. So back in verse 40, Luke tells us that he was increasing in wisdom. And here in verse 52, he tells us that he kept increasing in wisdom. So what began as a young boy, now, now it continued through his teenage years. It continued into his adulthood that Jesus was always growing. He was always learning. He was always increasing in the wisdom from God through Scripture. And he knew what it meant. And he knew how to apply it in all of his life. We ask a second question, where did he get this wisdom? We've already really answered it. The answer is that he got it from the Old Testament scriptures. The Old Testament, the entire Bible is really a book of wisdom. But there is that book of Proverbs especially, which is the book of wisdom. And Jesus surely would have known that book, perhaps memorized the entire book, and will turn to a couple of passages in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1 in verses 1 and 2. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of wisdom. So here he tells us right up front what is the purpose and the goal of this entire book that he is writing. It is to know wisdom. It is to have instruction so that men might know the way in which they should live. We see in the beginning of verse 3, in verse 3 he says, to receive wisdom, to, to, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. And wise behavior, that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. And as we read through the book of Proverbs, that's what we find, wise behavior in our speech, in our conduct, in self-control, wise behavior in family, in child-rearing, in work, in the world, wise behavior in every sphere of life, and wise behavior in every relationship that we are involved in. And, so and Solomon tells us that in this book, he had especially young people in mind. That's what he says in verse 4, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. This is who he has in particular in mind here, are young people, that they might know wisdom and they might gain the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Young people stand in great need of wisdom because their entire lives are ahead of them and they do not know what is before them. 
and they need to know how they should live in this present world. Young people need to know wisdom so that their characters will be formed by that wisdom so that they are able to live in this world pleasing to God. We look down to verse 7. Verse 7, now he tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord in the Bible is not negative, but a very positive and blessed frame of mind and soul. The fear of the Lord is to have the highest possible respect for the being of God. And the fear of the Lord is sometimes called reverence for him. It is always mixed with faith, with joy, and with peace. The fear of the Lord is to believe that God is in heaven, that he is the great and mighty God, and there is no other being who is like him. The fear of the Lord is to recognize that all of my ways are before him, and I am accountable to him in the end for everything that I do. He will bring every act to judgment in the end, and my highest good in life my highest good in life is to find mercy with him through his son, Jesus Christ, and then to walk in all of his ways, pleasing to him. This is the beginning of knowledge. And the man or woman who does not have the fear of the Lord, no matter what else they may know of knowledge of anything, they have no true knowledge of anything that is pleasing and good for their eternal happiness. We'll turn to a couple of other passages, chapter 10, chapter 9. Chapter 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord. Chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the entrance into the way of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the first step into the pathway of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the summary of all true religion. And it is to know the Lord, as he says in the second half of the verse, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Jesus said, this is eternal life, to know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So the fear of the Lord brings us into this wisdom, the very beginning of this wisdom. We are speaking of the wisdom that Jesus was increasing in. We turn back to chapter 8. In chapter 8 and verse 13, the beginning of the verse, we read the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. To hate evil, which would mean also to love righteousness. We can turn to chapter 16, chapter 16. At the end of verse 6, chapter 16, the end of verse 6, he says, by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. 
So the fear of the Lord here keeps one away from evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to keep one away from evil. What that means is that when we have a proper fear of God, then we stand back from evil. That's what it does. It keeps us away from evil. And then we stand, we keep away from the path of evil. Many try to see how close they can come to evil. They say to themselves, let me see how close I can come to sin without actually sinning. And let me play with temptation and see how close I can get without falling into temptation. That is not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil and the fear of the Lord keeps one away from evil. Would you try and see how close you could put your hand to a red hot burner on the stove without touching it? Would you see how close you could come to the cliff that falls into the canyon down at Letchworth? See how close you can come without falling into it? The book of Proverbs would call you a fool if you dealt that way with sin in the world. The fear of the Lord keeps one away from the pathway of evil. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. So this is the fear of the Lord that Jesus learned. And it led him into that wisdom that he was always increasing in. And it kept him from all evil. And he would turn and run from it. As a young teenager, when temptations would come to him, he would always continue in the fear of the Lord and in the wisdom that keeps him from evil. Proverbs 19 and verse 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied untouched by evil. Solomon summed it all up in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 when he said the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person for God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. The fear of the Lord was the beginning of wisdom even in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we might wonder, we might ask the question, well, how could it be that the Son of God would have the fear of the Lord in him? But we speak of him as a man. We speak of him as an infant, a young child. We speak of him as a creature created by God in his humanity. And the only right attitude of any person is to have the fear of the Lord, the reverence that keeps him from evil. So Luke tells us that he kept increasing in wisdom. He means he kept increasing in the reverence and in the awe that he had in his human soul over the greatness and the majesty and the wonder of God. We'll turn back to Proverbs chapter 2. 
for a moment. Proverbs chapter 2. We'll read verses 1 through 7. My son, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. If you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Solomon charged his sons with these words. We can be sure that Mary and Joseph charged Jesus with these words as well. We read at the end of verse 1, Treasure my commandments within you, Solomon speaks of God's commandments, the commandments of God that come from the word, the Ten Commandments, all the commandments of God in the Old Testament scripture. And Jesus would have begun to recognize that the commandments of the scriptures were actually the commandments of his heavenly Father. Solomon says here, he says, treasure, treasure my commandments. A treasure is something that one regards as most precious to him. One, something of the highest possible value. There is gold and silver, diamonds and jewels and money. These are the things that men often regard as their treasures. But Solomon says here, take God's commandments and make them your treasure. Make them what is most precious to you and look upon them as what is most valuable to you. To know his commandments is more precious than silver and gold. And there is nothing that is more desirable than to be able to walk in his ways. This is what David said in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. But then Solomon tells us where we should treasure his commandments. He says, treasure my commandments within you, within your soul. There's the treasure box where you should place the treasures of his commandments Because the commandments must flow from within, out of the springs, out of the heart flow the springs of life, and out of the heart, the soul comes all of our ways. The word, the commandments of God must be hidden into our hearts. And so this is the way it was with Jesus as a young boy. He was always gathering more treasures from the Holy Scriptures. And he was always storing up those treasures in his heart. And Jesus spoke of treasures and the heart. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. They were one and the same thing. His treasures were hidden in his heart. 
And so he treasured God's commandments and he loved them in his soul. There was nothing in all the world that was more precious to Jesus than the commandments of his heavenly father, the way of truth, happiness, and wisdom and peace, the way which were the delight to him. Oh, how I love thy law, he would have said with the psalmist. It is my meditation day and night. Every time he would gather for family worship, every Sabbath day when he would attend the synagogue, as he now says in verse 2, his ear would be attentive to wisdom and his heart would be inclined to understanding. He was always increasing in wisdom. Let us imagine that someone comes to you and promises you a great amount of gold and silver. And they say, you can have the gold and all this gold and silver, but you must transgress the commandments of God to get to it. Or perhaps they would be a little more subtle and they would tell you, well, you do not need to make a blatant trampling of God's commandments, but just a little compromise just a little compromise of his commandments. Why do you need to be so careful? Why do you need to be so strict? You can take some of God's commandments that don't fit with you and you don't really like so much. You can take some of his commandments and just nicely lay them aside and pretend that they do not exist. What would have happened if Jesus had done such a thing? A little compromised, a little passing over. If Jesus had done that, we would all be on our way to hell this morning with no hope. I am not preaching that we are saved by the keeping of the law. I am preaching that Jesus was the perfect keeper of the law and we are justified only by faith in him. But when we are justified by faith in him, we begin to walk as he walked. He is our example and John says that we ought to walk in the same manner as he himself walked. The world is always promising. Gold and silver, money and pleasure but oftentimes at the expense of his commandments. What did Jesus do? Jesus chose the way of God's law, and he was always increasing in his wisdom that turned him away from evil and brought him into the way of happiness and blessing. When he came to adulthood, he entered his ministry. The devil came with his temptations Jesus knew the scriptures to fight every temptation. Begone, Satan, for it is written. And he would quote from the scriptures. He was the embodiment of Psalm 119 and verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. So we ask a third question, which is, how did Jesus obtain this wisdom from the word? 
The answer is found by prayer. Especially, this is what we see in verse 3. He says, if you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. This is prayer. This is earnest cry to heaven for wisdom. The lifting up of one's voice to God for understanding. In verse 4, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Here is the searching of the scriptures and the meditation and the knowledge of God in his word. Then he says in verse 5, then you will discern the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord again, and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The only one who has the wisdom that we need is the Lord. All wisdom is from him, and he is the only one who can give wisdom. But he gives it to who? He gives it to the one who cries to him for wisdom. And he gives it to the one who searches for that wisdom in the Holy Scripture. And that's the way it was with Jesus as a young boy and through all of his life. He kept increasing in wisdom. How did he keep increasing in this wisdom? Because he was a boy who cried to the Lord for the wisdom. And he searched the Scripture for it. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. We know that Jesus was a man of prayer. And Luke, more than any other gospel writer, tells us of how Jesus would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. Luke tells us that he was praying at his baptism. Luke tells us that he went to the mountain, spent the entire night in prayer before he chose his 12 apostles. He prayed on the mountain of transfiguration. Many other times in Luke's gospel, we read of Jesus slipping away into a lonely place to prayer for prayer. We should not think that suddenly, suddenly Jesus became a man of prayer when he was 30 years old and entered his ministry. He was a man of prayer. He became a man of prayer because he was a young child of prayer. And he was a teenager of prayer. And he became a young man of prayer. So he became an adult man of prayer. And so his prayer life began in the early years of his life. We can turn to another passage in the book of Isaiah in this regard in Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. And verses 1 and 2. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. This is a prophecy of the Messiah coming through the line of David and Jesse was his father. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Verse 1 speaks of the human nature of Jesus as he came from the family of David and Jesse was David's father. 
And by the time Isaiah wrote these words, the family of David had lost all of its former royal glory, and it had been reduced to a stump. And by the terms that he uses here in verse 1, a shoot, a stem, a branch, all of these speak of a young twig which refers to the youth of the Messiah, the early days of his growth and development. And verse 2 speaks of the gifts that were given to the Savior. And we see here the spirit of wisdom. We see understanding, counsel to others, the knowledge of God. At the end of verse three, 2, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of verse 3, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So all of this wisdom, this knowledge, this fear of the Lord came by the Holy Spirit resting upon him in the beginning of verse 2, and the Spirit of the Lord rests upon him. So all of these graces came to Jesus, and these words were fulfilled in the early life of Jesus. The grace of God was upon him, says Luke. The Holy Spirit was resting upon him and giving him all of these graces, and he was always increasing in wisdom. And this is what we see when we read the Gospels. There was always kindness, there was always truth in the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was wisdom when he spoke to sinners and said, My son, my daughter, your sins have been forgiven. There was wisdom in all of his parables as he taught concerning the kingdom of God. There was wisdom in dealing with the Pharisees and his enemies when he was in the house with Simon the Pharisee and the woman came in and wept at his feet. Jesus told the parable of the moneylender who had two debtors and one loved more because he was forgiven more. And Jesus rebuked Simon and said, for this reason I say to you, her sins which are many have been forgiven for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to the woman, your sins have been forgiven. And when the people heard Jesus teach, they were astonished. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom? The scribes and the Pharisees, they would come and try to trap him in his words. But Jesus would speak to them with such wisdom that the gospel writers tell us no one was able to answer him a word nor did anyone dare from that day to ask him another question. Jesus said, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And the good man, out of his good treasure, brings forth what is good. And he was the perfect man, with his soul, his heart filled with treasures of the scriptures, and he always brought forth what was good. We've read the book of Proverbs this morning, thousands of Proverbs by Solomon. There was never a man, a mere man, who had more wisdom than Solomon. But a greater than Solomon came in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he grew in wisdom from his earliest days. We'll turn back to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, 
Luke gives us those two summary statements in verse 40 and in verse 52 of his early life. He was always increasing in wisdom, and he kept increasing in wisdom. We can imagine Jesus in a small house, a relatively poor family, perhaps. He had many brothers, and he had sisters, many daily chores, and yet finding a place to go and meet with his heavenly Father in prayer so that he would keep growing, increasing in wisdom through all of his years. A young boy, a young boy, somewhere in a private place, crying to God in heaven to send the Holy Spirit upon him and give him light and truth in holy scriptures and searching the scriptures for silver and hidden treasures in the word, careful attention as he came to the synagogue every Sabbath day. It was not wisdom that came to him from his divine nature. This is wisdom that was increasing in his human nature by the ordinary means of grace as every one of us have available to us today. And by the grace of God, the wisdom of God was entering his soul during his earliest years. It entered his soul freely, easily, abundantly. The wisdom of God entered his soul because his soul was unclouded, unhindered by the effects of human sin as ours are, and the word of God dwelt richly within him and was always pleasure to his soul. For the first time in human history, a child grew in perfect wisdom and holiness according to the ideal that God intended from the beginning, which had been ruined by human sin. And the book of Proverbs, which speaks of wise behavior in every area of life, must have been well known to Jesus. So that when tensions came in his home and arguments between his brothers and sisters and difficulties arose within the family, Jesus knew exactly what to speak in every circumstance, to speak a word, a gentle word that turns away wrath. When temptations came to him as a young boy from his friends in his hometown of Nazareth, Jesus knew how to continue to walk in the fear of God and to turn away from all evil. Solomon said the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom and with all of your acquiring, get understanding. That's what Jesus was doing all of those early years of his life. He was continually acquiring more and more of the wisdom of God that kept him in the path of holiness. And it was really all for our salvation. He kept increasing in wisdom and stature and the favor and in favor with God and men. We'll close with a couple of applications this morning. And the first is that all believers should desire to be like Jesus. All believers should desire to be 
like Jesus. Increasing in the wisdom of God. The wisdom that comes to us through the word, by prayer and worship and fellowship in the church. We have no true wisdom in ourselves by nature. By nature, what are we? We are all fools who have gone astray into our own ways. By nature, we have no wisdom. We are not pure and holy like Jesus was. But if we are believers, then we do have new hearts given to us, new natures by the Holy Spirit, and our new hearts have the beginning of wisdom within us. And so we must be increasing in this wisdom, and it should be the goal and the purpose of our life as believers to always be increasing in the wisdom of God, in the wisdom of the world that we live in, in the wisdom of who we are and how we should live that we might please him. And it is a wisdom that comes to us from the scriptures. We need wisdom in everything that we do. We need wisdom in all the decisions of life. We need wisdom in all of our relationships. We need wisdom in how we respond to trials and troubles, disappointments and griefs in our life. We need wisdom in how we should speak and how we should deal with others. We need wisdom in our minds. We need wisdom in our families, in our work. We need wisdom in the church. We need wisdom in dealing with the world. We need wisdom in everything. We are not living in a perfect world with perfect people all around us every day. We are living in a fallen world with sinful men and women who often irritate us, sometimes provoke us, many times disappoint us and sin against us as well. And we need wisdom to know how to respond in every situation which requires its own wisdom and how to maintain a peaceful relationship with all men as much as it is possible with us. We live in a world of temptation all around us, a world that is always trying to seek to lead us astray in one way or another from the great goal of life to be ready to meet God on the day of judgment to believe in Jesus for our salvation, to walk in his ways. We need wisdom to keep ourselves on the narrow way that leads to eternal life. There is nothing more valuable, nothing that should be more valuable to us in this world than to have this wisdom. One of us needs wisdom in one kind of trial, another needs wisdom in another. But all the wisdom that we need can be found in the scriptures. And we must pray and we must seek that wisdom as silver and gold. It will not come to us in easy way. It will take pain. It will take labor. It will take time. And it will take effort. But when, but the promise is that if we do so, the wisdom of God will be given to us.
in the scriptures. And when it comes, it will be worth all of the effort that we put into it, and it will be pleasant to our souls. With Jesus was, he kept increasing in wisdom when he was on earth. Now Paul tells us in the book of Colossians that in him, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is in heaven at the right hand of God. He has all wisdom that we need. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it shall be given to him. And then he says, the wisdom from above, from above, from Jesus Christ, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We should all be like Jesus as believers, always keep increasing in the wisdom of God. We cannot say to ourselves, well, I have become old and I have been studying the Bible for so many years. And so I must have arrived at the plateau of wisdom where there's really nothing more to obtain. Can never be because it was never so in Jesus. It can never be so in us. We must always and we can always be increasing in wisdom. But then the last, the second application this morning to us is for young people especially. And it is that Jesus is your example to follow. We have seen him as a young person, a child, a young boy in his early years, always increasing in wisdom, learning to fear God and keep away from evil. A young person cannot say, I am too young for these things because we've seen Jesus even as a little child increasing in wisdom. A young person should not say, I am not interested in such things. I can wait until I am older. No, Jesus was always growing in wisdom and had great interest in these things. One cannot say, I grow up in a Christian home. I do not need to be concerned about these things. Jesus grew up in such a home as well, and he was always searching the scriptures and praying and receiving more wisdom. He is your example. Jesus is your example as a young person here in how to live in a world of sin, in a world of temptation, you can live a holy life by the grace and the power of Jesus. It is possible for a young person to begin his life as a child, increasing in wisdom, being a praying boy or girl, a searching boy or girl in the scriptures, to grow in these things, and then to set their life on a path that will lead them into the path of blessing, into the path of pleasing God, and into the path that leads to eternal life and happiness in the end. Believe in the Lord Jesus. You must come to Jesus first. You must repent of sin. You must come to Jesus in faith and receive grace from him, and he is able to help you to follow him and to be like him.
Jesus has sanctified every age of human life by his own life. And Jesus knows the struggles and the trials of every different stage of life. The temptations of a young person are different than the temptations of an older person. The difficulties of a child are different than the difficulties of an adult. But Jesus Christ knows them all. And he has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without any sin. And he is a great high priest, a sympathizing high priest. And no matter how young you are, no matter how old we are, we may always go to him whatever our trials, our troubles may be, and we will find him to be a sympathizing high priest who is able to aid us and come to our help in every time of temptation and give us strength to walk in his ways. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. If you come to him and trust in him as the great savior, Jesus is your perfect example as a young person. May you come to him, young, old, all of us, come to Jesus and find him to be the Savior. Let us pray together. Father and gracious God in heaven, oh Lord Jesus, thank you that you have come into this world in, as, as a man, as we live, as we are in all things, and that you have passed through every stage of human life. You know every temptation, every trial that we go through. You are able to give us grace and help in every time of need. Lord, for all of us here, may we repent of our sins. May we come to Jesus. May we believe in him. May we find him to be the one who is sufficient for all of our needs. Thank you, there is forgiveness of all sin in our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to believe, help us to follow him, and be at work in our souls, we pray, and bless your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen.